social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. It's always Christmas at Anthony's Jewelers. 65% off the entire store. It's a once-in-a-lifetime sale. 65% off this weekend only. Open Sundays. Sale includes diamonds, diamond engagement rings, diamond earrings, diamond wedding bands, diamond pendants, and bracelets. All at 65% off. All wedding bands, rope, Figaro, Miami Cuban, and puffed Gucci chains. Along with crosses and diamond crosses at 65% off. It's always Christmas at Anthony's Jewelers. 65% off this weekend only. One-year interest-free financing. Anthony's Jewelers. Where Rhode Island gets engaged. Thing to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. This portion of the program brought to you by Propane Plus, heating and cooling. It's the Johnson family, one of the leading full-service providers of propane services, Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call Propane Plus today. All your propane needs. In Rehoboth, 508 508- 252-3359. So the Massachusetts number is 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, call Propane Plus today, 885-4209, 401-885-4209. So Governor McKee had his uh, big press briefing, folks, and um, I think it's very difficult. I think it's uh, very, very difficult for the business owners and uh it, it's difficult for everyone i i recognize that governor mckee is feeling tremendous pressure from the rhode island department of health to make some kind of changes but what i um what i really worry about and sympathize with are the businesses that that and and i've talked about this but are right along the the border and what's surprising is the the governor's obviously very you know he he hails from the northern part of the state so he's familiar with the challenges if if you're an outlier and if you do something in Rhode Island that you you know you don't do in another you don't do in uh, in Massachusetts and that's the the situation that we find ourselves in right now because with him saying you know Massachusetts has no statewide mask mandate and they're not asking people for their for their you know vaccine card and uh vaccination status excuse me so to to do that it certainly does re- disrupt um businesses that are right along the border i know that the mckee people feel that they uh they're up against it and they have very little choice and they had to move with this um i i i think at this point you know with the vaccinations i think dr nicole alexander scott uh is far too powerful she wasn't elected actually when you think about it folks governor mckee was not uh, elected either but for the governor to to move in this direction at this time um as we've talked about mask mandates people rebel against them it's it's unfair i'll tell you it's unfair to uh keep putting pressure on businesses that they have to be the ones to enforce enforce whether it's a masking policy or the the vaccination and let's face it a lot of people uh are not going to like the fact if they go in somewhere and then there's a young person there saying that you know i need to see your vaccination status it's going to turn a lot of people off um i i get that the numbers are up something else though that that is problematic is this this latest variant seems to be high so contagious because you have people that that were vaccinated and then they're still getting sick and coming down with COVID. so i i think a lot of the science is unclear i know they're pushing for the boosters and dr scott even is pushing that she wants uh you know uh, all children to be vaccinated even though that it really doesn't seem to make sense because you don't have children in the hospital i i recognize people would say yeah but children could then spread it this uh the rest of this month in the next few months are, are going to be difficult and challenging and for those that have some kind of a compromised immune system i think they have to be very very cautious now the catholic church bishop tobin reacted yesterday and said anyone that shows up at church no one's going to be refused that that doesn't wear a mask and the experts it's not that they are divided on uh, the experts they're not divided on whether masks work because all experts basically agree and feel that masking uh, can work you have a lot of people that are out there and they had coughs and colds and they're coughing and sneezing 
and then uh, if they had a mask on at least it would self-contain somewhat but but one thing that the experts uh, a lot of them are not divided on that is when you're trying to force people the mandate element of that that's what what turns people off so folks i think you know you have to do everything you can to try to support local business you don't want to take it out on the local restaurants it's so unfair when people get upset and they start you know losing their cool and their composure and uh their temperament changes the the people in the restaurant they, they're not they don't want to be the police i think it's i think it's it's very unfair to put business owners and restaurant people in the position where they have to basically play you know mask police uh i think that's very unfair and i i recognize the state doesn't have the type of capability as far as the healthcare shortage folks they've never fully come to terms with it's it's one thing that uh you know the, the the hospitals and governor mckee had that mandate that if you didn't get the vaccine then you were out of the job i still come back to that i didn't see a lot of communication there i see other groups that seem to get a lot of the attention from the governor and and uh maybe some of it's political but i i think uh with some more meetings hearing them out a little bit i think you know some of the some of the people may have stayed other people just said forget it i'm burned out in this occupation i'll do something differently but it's it's been a long grind during the pandemic for those in the uh, healthcare field so folks that and a lot more it's all ahead right here on the john DePietro show heating season is here let jkl engineering design and install a natural gas high efficiency carrier infinity system energy efficient quiet and more affordable than you think if you're saying no gas guess what no problem let jkl engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system including ductless splits heats in the winter cools in the summer these units are so efficient it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90 percent they have the highest rebates in the market and they also do new installation replacement of high efficiency gas boilers jkl carrier factory authorized dealer licensed by the way in both rhode island and massachusetts for 55 years jkl's reputation second to none call jkl engineering today replacements whether it's for a system replacement oil to gas or for a heat pump estimates are free financing is available both residential and commercial called jkl 401-351-7600 they do it right they do it right the first time this winter you can depend on jkl engineering 401-351-7600 licensed in both rhode island and massachusetts it's always Christmas at Anthony's Jewelers. 65% off the entire store. It's a once-in-a-lifetime sale at 65% off all week long. Open Sundays, 65% off all week long. One-year interest-free financing. Anthony's Jewelers, where Rhode Island gets engaged. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn. Check them out on the website, depetro.com. The Coesed Inn, or Rhode Island tradition since 1977 located 226 Coesed avenue in west warwick whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers there's always a great crowd you can link directly to them and gift certificates are available the Coesed inn 226 Coesed avenue in west warwick you're listening to the john DePietro show we taste we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m 1380 99.9 FM, folks, you can always listen online at the website, Petro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It's our friend, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd, I'd like to just start off uh, simply because whenever these new uh, mandates and provisions come out, the first thing that people start doing is, is uh, you know, challenging. Governor McKee has announced some new requirements, places over 250 people, less than that. Um, I, and I... I get it. I understand that a, a lot of people, uh, it, it is odd when you have, you know, one state, Rhode Island, and then it conflicts with right next door over the line to Massachusetts or Connecticut. Um, but I, it, 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 let's just go over how uh, people, unfortunately, people may not like it, but whenever there's an emergency declaration, it, it would seem that, you know, certain things are, um, are are able to put in place. So the governor is able to do these things. Yes. And, um, what the governor has done, he's doing it, as we've discussed before, under the umbrella of, you know, statutory authority given to him in emergencies, such, an, such as a pandemic. 
he can do these things for 30 days and then he'd have to renew them like he has done with some of his other um, executive orders. Um, the governor has now announced that any any indoor facility that holds over 250 people, everyone's got to be masked, period. If it's less than 250 um, in, in a venue, you've either got to show proof of vaccination, so you must show your papers, or you have to have a mask. Um, the notion that you've got to show your papers um, it sounds like we're living in East Germany. Uh, I think it's going to legitimately and rightfully cause a lot of people to be very uncomfortable to have to disclose their VAC status. Um, and he's also requiring that any private business that has indoor business operations, um, I guess the workers have to um, show evidence that they've been vaccinated or be masked. Now, does that place the burden on a business owner to become now the um, the vax police and right. have to ask your employees for their vax status? Uh, and now your employee says, well, I don't want to tell you my vax right. status. That's confidential. Yeah. And now in, in an economy where you can't get workers to begin with, um, I don't know what the sanction will be from what the governor's uh, proposed but let's assume I'm an employer. I don't want to be the vax police. I don't want to ask my employees, am I in trouble civilly? Am I in trouble right. criminally? Am I going to be obligated to fire people or some otherwise um, penalize people who either aren't vaxxed or won't tell me if they're vaxxed, if I'm the employer? It sets up an impossible situation uh, for especially private employers who, who, as I said, can't get replacement employers. You can't find people, everyone's home making more money by being on the semi-government dole. The, the other thing is, okay, the governor's put these policies into effect, John, which are more stringent than what they're doing in Massachusetts, to, mm. to your point. Um, what's the science behind these requirements? Yeah. You know, we hear statistics every day. Up, oh, there's people in the hospital. There's people in the hospital. We never hear how old they are. We no. never hear about their underlying potential medical problems. Right. We never hear how many of these people in the hospital are under the age of, let's say, 15. I would. I, I'm guessing very, very few. I'm just a guess. Um, we hear about deaths, but we don't hear about the age. We don't hear about comorbidities. We don't hear anything. Um, and this is all supposed to be driven, oh, we're guided by science. This is all about science. Give me a little science. Tell me why we're doing these things, and maybe I'd understand and be more comfortable with it. But that seems to be the last thing that all these you know, government officials want to talk about. Oh. Um, will the ACLU or some similar entity get involved and say this is an overreach, this is unconstitutional? Um, You've gone beyond what your executive emergency authority provides. Um, I haven't seen much action on that front from any you know, organization. Um, you'll recall, John, a couple of months ago, a group of parents challenged into the Superior Court the, ma uh, the school mask mandate. Uh, they did so unsuccessfully, unfortunately. But... Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of organized um, appetite through either, you know, large employers or unions or others to take on what appears to be a governmental overreach. Tim Dodd, Bishop Tobin, now let alone we're coming up on Christmas Eve and Christmas. Um, Bishop Tobin has already issued a statement saying no one will be turned away if they show up at mass without a mask. Now, you know, obviously the churches, um, it's tough for them. Are they supposed to stand outside and say to their parishioners that are coming in, uh, I do a vaccination card. I mean, normally you just kind of walk into the church. Um, you know, that's people have their private relationship with God. Is this the type of thing? Could we potentially see Governor McKee and the state go after the Catholic church? I, it's a great question, John. What are they going to have a local cop and, you know, yeah. wrestling, wrestling senior citizens to the ground who don't want to disclose their VAC status? It's crazy. Wow. Hmm. I, uh, I don't know. These are things which 
I, I don't know, John, if the governor has considered that, you know, he's putting these mandates into effect um, literally um, the week leading up to Christmas when, uh, you know, um, Christian churches of all denominations are going to be filled up, one would yeah. presume, um, and filled up with more than 250 people attending a church service. Um, who's going to enforce this? Right. They were going to send the altar boys out to ask for vax status, mm. or you know, are the priests going to be out there like demanding that people show their papers? That yeah. really seems contrary to you know Christian values, and it's certainly contrary to what Bishop Tobin he's he's drawing his own line in the sand. Yes. Um, so it's going to be a church-state standoff, and I I don't know what will happen. I think the governor is going to have to give like he's had to give before. You come out with a very strident, bold proposal, and yep. then incrementally you back off on it. I think he's going to have to do it this time, too. Yeah, because Tim Todd, and again, folks, speak with our legal expert, Tim Todd. I know that after you know the spring of 2020, when they shut the churches and, and so forth, that after that, uh, many religious leaders said basically never again. You know, They wish they had not gone along with it. Uh, it didn't make any sense that people, you'd see the big lines, as you know, at Stop and Shop, Home Depot, uh, it went standing in line, but people couldn't go and, and kneel in a church. They couldn't go to their loved one's funeral. I mean, it, it's just uh, ridiculous. Tim Dodd, I think on this one, I think you're really going to see pushback, um, you know, plus you're coming up on New Year's Eve. That's when, you know, if you're a nightclub, a lot of restaurants, one of the busiest nights they ever have. I think what's missing here is is what we don't know is. And, and Governor McKee kind of, I don't say blinked a little bit, but this business of enforcement, you know, who, who is it that's supposed to uh, go out? If, if someone, if you're running a restaurant and, and someone comes in and they don't have a mask on and you don't ask them what their status is, I, I just fail to see how the state, it, to me, it seems like the honor system. They're explaining what they'd like to have happen. But I, I'd be uh, hard pressed to find out exactly on a Friday, Saturday night, how, you, you know, a team of people go around all the restaurants and start saying, do those people have vaccination or those people have vaccination? I mean, it, it would seem an impossible task. Well, I, I agree with you totally, John. It's, 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 it's an edict now that's come from on high that this is how we're going to do it, but there's no enforcement mechanism. No. When, Gina, when Gina Raimondo was governor, at least she would bluff and say, there's going to be, you know, if you don't have your mask on in a, in a public place, there's going to be arrest. There's going to be imp, in, yeah. imposition of fines. And I don't think she ever followed through, but I no. think the threat of it, and she was much more specific in what the penalties would be and that there would be enforcement procedures in effect, that I think that um, scared a lot of people into compliance. Yeah. This is just a head scratcher. I think everyone in private industry is left to wonder what they're supposed to do. To your oh. point, churches are left to wonder what are we supposed, what are we oh, supposed to God. do with this? Very Restaurants, bars, and yeah. to your point, you know, New Year's Eve is a big day for oh. um, businesses. Lots of money to be yeah. made. Lots of people looking to inject a little normalcy into their lives. Um, I don't. I don't know what the governor was thinking. Really, it seems like a half-baked baked proposal that he did almost in response to or try to one-up what they're doing in Massachusetts. I think he's going to have a lot of pushback on this. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. 
It's Henry Oil. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, boy, it, uh, the, the action does not stop in Washington regarding this. Still trying to investigate this. Coming up on the year now, January 6th. But uh, what are we to make of that Mark Meadows, who initially said, yeah, I'll, I'll cooperate, suddenly kind of has drawn a line. In the now, they seem that they're um, seemingly a little unsure what they're going to do about it. Yes, the Congress has um, voted to hold Mark Meadows in contempt of Congress. And it's kind of creepy. I mean, I don't care which side of the political spectrum uh, an individual happens to be on. When Congress votes um, to hold him in contempt, and the photo op is Nancy um, Pelosi with a big grin on her face, holding up the um, official document, uh, holding Mark Meadows in contempt. Um, How much of this is really a legitimate fact-finding exercise to try to find out if governmental officials, members of the administration, senators, congressmen, or others, the president, were involved in the planning of and um, fueling of this uh, January 6th event? And how much is it to just keep um, smearing your political opponents? Um, it, it This reeks of naked uh, politics more than a legitimate exercise to find things out. I don't know what this committee expects it's going to find that isn't being discovered by the literal army of prosecutors who are going after anyone who could have possibly been involved in this um, event on January 6th. I don't don't really see the point other than to smear anyone close to the Trump administration. Now, the fact that Congress says we find you in contempt, well, that's interesting. It doesn't mean anything yet. What happens next is this matter gets referred to the Department of Justice, and it's going to be up to Merrick Garland and his crew as to whether they want to prefer criminal charges and go after uh, Mark Meadows criminally. Now, he did cooperate to a degree before his scheduled deposition. I, the, the, the talking point in the media is that he turned over 9,000 pieces of information. But apparently that wasn't good enough for the committee, and they were trying to go beyond the scope of what he was agreeable to produce, and they were looking more for executive privilege material. And that at that point, he says, I'm not cooperating. I see what you're really doing. You're really not interested in just stuff that I can safely give you. You're, you're engaged in an overreach now to get executive privilege material. I'm not doing it. And in fact, Meadows, if you'll recall from last week, he has filed suit against Nancy Pelosi and members of this committee, uh, alleging this is a political overreach and not a legitimate congressional exercise of their oversight function. And really, it's not an appropriate, in many ways, it's not an appropriate oversight function. What are they overseeing? There's a criminal arm of the Justice Department who's going after everyone who's involved in this thing. They're the ones who should be issuing subpoenas if appropriate um, or arresting those who are appropriate. Um, They have a lot of tools at their disposal in the Justice Department. Um, Would that be just as political? Well, with Merrick Garland at the the helm, it probably would be just as political, but uh, it would not be an investigation carried out by a bunch of hack politicians. Uh, right. At least you'd have somebody within the Justice Department ostensibly governed by the rule of law who would be doing the investigation. Hmm. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this story out of Barrington, I find interesting, where there was a, a threat to the school put in the, I think the girls' restroom, bathroom, lavatory, whatever we call it. But what I find interesting now is the Barrington police chief has warned high school parents about the threat of violence. I'm just wondering if this is a different tech legally based on the fact that you have those parents that are, that are now being charged and have been charged and held with the situation with the shooter in Michigan. 
if this becomes a different tack to remind parents and almost and warn them, you know, make sure if you have uh, firearms that they're locked up, they're secured. We had this. And, and the reason I say that is if something happened, they certainly had, uh, you know, a situation where they had warned parents ahead of time and almost could fall back on that, perhaps, if they wanted to maybe bring charges. Well, I, I think the the police chief is well-intended saying, listen, yeah. we've got a threat. We don't know if it's legitimate. It's some threat that was written on the bathroom wall in the girls' lavatory. Is it credible? Is it not credible? Who knows? Right. But with an eye towards safety, if you've got guns in your house, make sure you know where they are. Make sure they're locked up. Make sure your kids can't get at them. Um, and I think it does have a lot of parallels to the um, shooting of a couple of weeks ago where these parents who apparently knew their kid was unstable and knew the kid was had these guns and they've been charged um, with uh, manslaughter. Um, I think those two parents will have problems criminally going forward. Um, and I think that the, the police chief is trying to get that message out. Hey, parents pay attention to what's going on under your roof or you could find yourself in the same situation as the, the folks uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Um, if you look at it from a more cynical uh, position, you know, it's, it, it, I'm sure many would see it as another governmental attempt to get the guns. Yeah. I mean, there's many segments of our society that says, we want your guns. We're going to oh. get them. We're going to get them one way or another. So I am sure there are many organizations who um, hear the chief's um, warnings and look at it as another threat to gun ownership. Mm. Um, I think it's a small step in that direction, but any step in that direction, you know, for gun rights activists uh, would cause concern. Um, it's an ongoing balancing test that this country is having a hard time dealing with, you know, yes. second amendment rights versus safety issues. That's it's right. a terrible vexing problem. Yeah. And I know there was uh, one parent was then saying, suggesting that all the students in the school should have to hand in uh, like a form to the school to let the school know if their parents have any, have any uh, weapons uh, in their possession at home. I, I would imagine. I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't cooperate with that no, if I was a parent. I mean, so they, like, who the hell are you to ask me those <laughs> questions? Yeah, just because. But again, uncharted territory. People try to do it under the guise of safety, but then it starts to become that the school wants a list of what her parents have firearms in the town. Um, I don't think that would would sit well. And um, I, Tim Dodd, if that would happen, that's the type of thing that should and could be challenged in court. Yeah, think of the danger. Okay, so parents would be somehow mandated to tell the school what they've got for, you know, firearms in their house. Mm. Cops could get a hold of that. I mean, this is a real, really big brotherish if yes. you let this get out of hand. I, I don't suggest that the folks who are recommending this are not well-intentioned. Um, many well-intentioned ideas um, um, come into effect and then they are ultimately abused and morph into something that was not originally intended. So I would expect if anything like that started to get traction, there'd be a huge pushback against it. Folks, quick break, much more. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401 272 were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident... Drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle. Call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401 272 3340 
West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401 272 3340. It's always Christmas at Anthony's Jewelers. 65% off the entire store. It's a once in a lifetime sale. Never done before. 65% off this weekend only. Open Sunday. One year interest free financing. Anthony's Jewelers, where Rhode Island gets engaged. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesit Inn. Check them out on the website, depetro.com. The Coesit Inn or Rhode Island tradition since 1977 located 226 coesed avenue in west warwick whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers there's always a great crowd you can link directly to them and gift certificates are available the coesed inn 226 coesed avenue in west warwick speaking with our legal expert attorney tim dot Tim, I did get an email on this next story, uh, bank embezzler Joe Malico. Now, he owes the state of Rhode Island $12 million. He's, he's paying the state 270 a month. I, I got an email from one of our listeners saying, what is the point that the state is even still collecting uh, money from Joe Malacone, who all those years ago, you know, pled guilty, came back, had been out of state on the lamb and so forth. But to me, that's one of those situations where, the justice system is the justice system. That was was agreed upon. That's what they determined he was able to pay. And and that is what he, he is going to pay. It doesn't matter. Someone could certainly argue that no matter how many years it would take at that pace to pay the money back or pay $12 million, but that that's was the law that came down. Yes. And, I mean, he owes a, an extraordinary amount of money to the state of Rhode Island. He could never reasonably pay it back in his lifetime. But it, it seems to me that it's part and partial of the punishment he received in his criminal case. You know, it's a pain in the butt to have to come back to court periodically and stand yeah. in front of a judge and be embarrassed to talk about, you know, how little you're able to pay based upon your income. Malacone's 78. You know, he's not the young guy that we remember from all the, yeah. the pictures when he was really in the news rolling. every yeah. day. Um, so he's paying 250 and then it's 270 but it's that's, that's the numbers it's bouncing between, and that's 10% of his monthly income. The court has noted that he has paid it religiously. He never misses. He's on yeah. time. He's faithful in making his payments. He says, this is my obligation, and I'm going to live up to it. Mm. It's a drop in the bucket, clearly. Yeah. But I think that this, the state has an interest in continuing to make this guy come across with even a small amount of money. And you never know. I mean, we're more could come in. Um, he gets an inheritance from some long lost right. relative. He hits, the, he, hits, sure. he hits the lottery. Yeah. Um, I don't wish anything bad to befall him, but he gets injured by some instrumentality and he has a significant personal injury claim that's worth, you know, seven figures. Yeah. Maybe the state could intercept that. There's always a chance to get paid while the guy is, you know, walking this earth and even potentially after he dies, depending on the manner and circumstances of his death. So, of course, they're going to keep pursuing him. Yeah. It's frustrating because the state paid out millions and millions because of his criminal mischief. Right. But we can only get from him what we can get from him. And yeah. the, the court can't take 100% of his income. They're limited to take a percentage. He's got to be able to actually continue to live his life. So he doesn't make a lot of money, and this is what the state can get, unfortunately, at the present time. Tim Dodd, before everything went south, I mean, uh, Joe Malacone and Heritage Loan, I believe he was up on, on Federal Hill. But, but, I mean, there were periods of time in the 80s. He was, he was rolling. Things were flying. Well, he was rolling with other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to touch on, we, we had uh, that Cranston police officer who was found guilty of, a, of assaulting uh, somebody they took into custody. It was the beginning of, um, right during COVID, I believe. His name was Gian Mattiolo, no relation, I believe, the speaker. But uh, how, how does he suddenly come up with now he's going after the Cranston police officer for assaulting him? Now, the Cranston police officer is, 
he's appealing that. But how do, how do they come up with, all right, so it is true, the police officer's found guilty, and you do see the video where there's fisticuffs, and he's going at him and punching him and then takes him down in the cell. But how do you, how do you come up with the figure of, as a result of that, I, I want, I think it's $2 million. Well, yeah, I mean, why, why would why would a plaintiff or a plaintiff's counsel put that sort of a number in a um, complaint for damages for the exact reason that the news is reporting on it? Oh, it's looking for $2 million. Um, it gets you coverage. If he said he was looking to get $50,000, right. it would be a big, would be a big sure. story. Yeah. But he has several claims, this gentleman who was um, assaulted by this cop. Um, what I don't know the extent of his physical injuries. I don't know if they're temporary injuries. I don't know if they're permanent injuries. Um, he's got civil rights claims because it's clearly his civil rights were violated. Um, he's got certain claims which would result in attorney's fees if successful. Um, he's got claims against um, this cop for the assault. He's got claims against the Cranston Police Department oh. on allegations of um, insufficient training of officers how to deal with these situa situations, use of force training, um, and allegedly, although it's not specific, that there's been similar past incidents within Cranston which have gone uncorrected and there's been no remedial training, allegedly. Um, and let's assume that there were lots of previous cases, and this is all hypothetical, where Cranston cops were untrained and you know doing similar things to people who were handcuffed in the cell block. Yep. You could get into an area where you could get, it's difficult to do against the municipality, but you, you know they might be looking for punitive damages or something else to make an example of this department and the conduct of its officers. Yep. This is all very speculative. Um, further, because this cop was convicted, um, he has taken an appeal. I would venture to say this cop is not going to be successful on appeal if he yeah. retries this case. The video is quite damning. Yeah. Um, you know, you can believe what your eyes or what right. you're looking at with your own eyes. If he is once again convicted in the superior court, then a plaintiff like this kid, um, Mattiello, um, it's just a question of damages. It wouldn't be a question of um, negligence or uh, conduct. It's, it's there. The, the only trick is, let's assume that this cop went way beyond his training and um, went off the reservation, so to speak, and assaulted this guy. He, he committed a criminal act while on duty. Um, is the Cranston Police Department and the city of Cranston going to be on the hook for something that this guy did, which was outside the scope of his employment? There's right. going to be lots of back and forth about um, this guy's conduct. He's going to say it was defensive, the cop. He was all defensive. It wasn't an assault. He didn't take um, aggressive action. He was simply defending himself against, you know, uh, furtive movements that this um, suspect who was in handcuffs was taking. There'll be some back and forth on that. Um Clearly, this case will settle. It'll never go to trial on this guy's claim for damages, and he'll right. get a payday. Uh, folks, we speak with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, on the national front, uh, it's certainly not getting as much attention, but this um, this police officer, Kim Kim Potter, she was the one that mistakenly was going for her taser, but instead she shot Dante Wright. Um, I, I, admittedly, I haven't followed it as much as I have followed other trials, but it, it doesn't seem to be going her way so far again i don't know about intent but um it it, it just the witnesses that i've heard uh this sounds like this is a difficult case for her. it is a difficult case for her it's largely going to be a battle of um police safety experts the prosecutor prosecution i should say has their own expert who's been testifying about everything that was done wrong by this officer Potter and everyone associated with this incident, you can be sure the defense is going to put up an expert to say, 
that her conduct was reasonable. And when there's exigent circumstances, you know, things are happening quickly. Um, split second decisions are being made and it was simply a horrific um, mistake. The mistake part of this becomes problematic. Yeah. There have been other cases around the country where um, police officers have done something similar. They thought they were going for their taser. They actually went for their revolver and boom, they either kill or seriously injure somebody. In these cases around the country, um, if the cops were penalized, they were lightly penalized, if you will, maybe a couple of years in prison or things of that nature. Um, I think that juries would have a lot of sympathy for cops dealing with an uncooperative suspect in this day and age. The problem for this officer, John, is, uh, and this is what the prosecution's expert was um, testifying, apparently, I might have it left and right incorrectly, but you're supposed to have your service revolver, let's say, on your right side, yep. and your taser on your left side. Right. Your, your weapon is black. The taser is yellow. Yeah. If you're, it's not like in the wild, wild west where you no. would just take your gun out of the right. holster and start firing. A gun has a snap release. So your service revolver has a snap release. You got to unsnap this, um, like almost like a leather strap to get your gun out. The taser has a lever release. It's a totally different system to release that taser from its holster. So this cop had to reach with the wrong hand, releasing something sh that she should have felt to be a taser um, from the wrong side of her body. So there's a lot of inexplicable things that she did um, in going for the wrong um, weapon, the wrong um, instrument. <laughs> She thought she was going for the taser. She went for her revolver. They weigh differently. They feel differently. The trigger mechanism is different. Um, and all of that is being brought home to the jury through demonstrations. The, and uh, the prosecution wanted the jurors to be able to handle the service revolver and the taser as they're sitting in the jury box. The judge said no, but when they're deliberating, they can do that if they feel like it. Yeah, the weight is totally different. So oh. it's a very hard thing um, to claim. Oh, this is just a mistake in the heat of the moment. Um, is it negligent? Yes. So then the question is: Is this criminally negligent? Right. I, I think that it's going to be very hard for this officer to be found not guilty. And this is another. Um, case where does she take the stand and look for some sympathy of the jury to take them through yep. what she was thinking, what she was feeling during the whole event and what led to the decisions that she made and how she came to be holding a service revolver in her hand and firing it versus a taser. She may well have to testify. The jury yeah. might want to say, how the heck could you make such a mistake yep. and, and want to hear some heartfelt testimony about um, how bad she feels about making such a dreadful, you know, dreadful error. I think she's going to have to, Tim Todd. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Todd. Tim, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Folks, they're located 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Easy to get to, right off of Silver Spring Street, right off of 95. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Ron and Melissa, everything is baked fresh, and especially this time of year, they have delicious Christmas cookies, Christmas baskets, Christmas everything at Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Delicious calzones, everything fresh. Stop and see them. Look for them on Facebook, and their hours are Tuesday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., Ron's Pastry Gourmet, Ron and Melissa, delicious Christmas baskets and delicious Christmas cookies and treats, plus the most delicious calzones and also cannolis. Ron's Pastry Gourmet, stop it and see them, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Look for them on Facebook for directions and hours at the Ropen. It's Christmas time at Ron's Pastry Gourmet. 
You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, joining us right now, as much as people think of the holidays, and Christmas, and all the excitement and a new year that it could bring on, uh, people think that they should be happy. It actually can, uh, there's people dealing with some very difficult feelings, and there's been an epidemic of, uh, of grown men and middle-aged men taking their own life, and Dr. Rob, who specializes in this, and Dr. Rob, I think one of the first things is it's family members or maybe people see someone at a holiday party or just know of someone, and they they want to reach out and, and find out just how someone is, is doing mentally during the holidays. Yeah, it, it's pretty common for some, some people to be really distressed at this time, and the most important thing you can do is to let somebody know you care. Just to say, hey, it seems like you're really struggling. Is there something I can help you with? Uh, would you like to talk about things? Um, let's sit down in a quiet place and, and just have some time together and, and try to see what's, what's happening here. Um, so that's, that's really important. Your expression of care can restore hope to people who are feeling pretty hopeless sometimes. So very it- important. And folks, this leads to this website that Dr. Rob's going to direct people to. We've been doing this now over several months. We're going to continue into the new year. And uh, it's it's mantherapy.org. And Dr. Rob, you know, again, as I said, people see, oh, I, I should be happy, and they see the lights and Christmas. But this time of year and a new year, it, it can emote, uh, bring up a lot of past memories. Uh, you know, people even refer to it as ghosts of Christmas past. We remembered when you were a child, and then you think of, Maybe there are people that are no longer with us. And, and for varying different reasons, it, it can actually be a very difficult time for people mentally. It, it can be. And uh, middle-aged men particularly in general are, are very resistant to seeking help sometimes. And there's a certain stigma about going to see a therapist or going to even see your own doctor sometimes. Um, so one of the resources that people need to know about is this uh, web, website called mantherapy.org. Or you can just anonymously go to the website and check out your own mental health status. That's what's called a 20-point head inspection that helps a guy figure out, am I just being stressed or are they really suffering from depression or, or some other mental uh, health challenge? Um, and there's lots of resources listed on there, too. It, it, in the first place, it's a very humorous uh, site with lots of funny videos, but there's also some really valuable resources available there, too. And again, you don't have to face the stigma of uh, seeing somebody going into a, a therapist's office or something. So just go to the website, go to the website of mantherapy.org and, and check it out. It's really a lot of value there. Folks, we speak with Dr. Rob. And Dr. Rob, not only that, but because there is a website and there's a link, people could either send it through text message, they could send an email. I received a nice email from this woman that hadn't seen a brother in a while, talked to him, did not sound good, did not sound like himself. And after our conversation, she she just sent him the, the email. She didn't have to talk about it. She just sent him the email and the link. And then uh, and it, it turned out that, that there was something much deeper that's going on. So um, that is one portion of this. And Dr. Rob, you've also been so good and such a leader on leading people. People think about taking a CPR course. But there's even a course that people can take to look for warning signs when there's someone who has kind of lost their way. Yeah, this course is called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. And it basically teaches any any adult citizen how to recognize that a warning sign that someone might be thinking about suicide. And then it uh, helps them to be able to answer the question directly. Uh, are you thinking about taking your life? Or are you thinking about suicide? And then let me help persuade them to let you help them get some help, uh, just as a friend or a neighbor or a coworker not a professional, but just somebody who cares about them, and then to refer them appropriately. Uh, it's important to realize that not everybody who might be thinking about suicide needs to go to the emergency room. Not everybody needs 911 called. Uh, so this teaches you how to do this. It gives you some real tools, and as I said, how to recognize first and how to respond that someone may be thinking about suicide. It's been, studies have shown it really saves lives. Folks, again, it's the website is mantherapy.org, and I want people to understand that this is the age group that this really focuses on is middle-aged men. There's been rampant. Uh, it's, it is an epidemic of uh, middle-aged men that have been taking their life. It doesn't have to be that way. So whether it's a spouse or a friend or a coworker, whoever it may be, mantherapy.org, we're going to continue our conversations with Dr. Rob into the new year. 
Dr. Rob, I want to thank you once again for your expertise, expertise, sensitivity in talking about it and dedication to it. You are literally saving lives. And thank you, thank you for agreeing to continue our conversations. Well, I'm delighted to, John. I really appreciate all your support and help in this. It's the, I think it's a great service to the community. And thanks you so much. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal. 401 401- 688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. It's always Christmas at Anthony's Jewelers. 65% off the entire store. It's a once-in-a-lifetime sale at 65% off all week long. Open Sundays, 65% off all week long. One-year interest-free financing. Anthony's Jewelers, where Rhode Island gets engaged. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Now, while you're there, uh, there's a lot of exclusive stories. Folks, we cover stories the rest of the media ignores. It's real news, whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break log on at the website that's also the best way to reach me by the way if you'd like to get in touch with me just scroll down a little bit you'll see a a button that says contact john you can also support the program you you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at dipetro.com and it's all our links to social media whether it's facebook so you can watch facebook live or also twitter or youtube or instagram so take a minute, and then also we have some great sponsors there as well. It is a happening. Check it each day. It's depetro.com.